0: It's your first time listening to She is Becoming. We are a podcast of multi-generational women studying God's word dedicated to being transformed by the renewing of our mind. To binge all our episodes, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and the Grace Church app. And we are now on the Grace Church website. Visit www.grace.church and go to the women's tab and we are right on there. You can also follow us on Instagram at She Is Becoming Podcast, so we can engage with you on there. We love praying for y'all and talking to y'all. So without further ado, I am your co-host Delaney and I am joined by my co-host Bev. Let's see if we can hear you, Bev.
1: Oh, I hope you can hear me. We appreciate each one of you listeners. And what we're going to do today is continue. This is part two of the study of the life of Elijah. And I've got to tell you, as I've studied his life, it has dramatically impacted me. I I just see our own times reflected so much right, uh, in, in his life accounts and all of his things that he went through. And I really felt so challenged in a lot of areas of obedience as well. So um Yeah, this has I really right been there good with you. Me. I really feel like it's been almost like a, a, a you know, a time where the Lord has kind of gotten a hold of my heart and really taught me some new things and uh challenged me. So
0: yeah, uh, let's so get true. into
1: part two, should we?
0: Yes, I'm super excited.
1: Yeah. Well, last week we we met Elijah, and he went through a period of three years during the um, famine. He announced to Ahab that it would not rain, and it didn't. And he was hid by God, where he repaired by God. And then uh, Delaney took us through the, the drama, really, of yeah. Elijah's confrontation with the prophets of Baal, these 450 prophets, where God really displayed his power and his acceptable sacrifice— it still kind of gives me goosebumps when I picture that scene. When you Same. think about it licked up the rocks, uh, the amount of heat Yeah, and fire, it, it must have even almost been an explosion.
0: Well, it was like it, um, it ate the dust, too. So it's like you get yes. it's like it literally nothing was there, which is crazy, no. but awesome.
1: It is. It is. And the people around him, you know, falling down and saying, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. It's revival. Obviously revival, and uh, God really showed himself so strong there. So we we know what uh, this high point of Elijah and what that was all about, but then we're going to talk about Elijah's despair. Um, he was human, even though he was used by God in such a dramatic way. Uh, King Nahab's wife, Jezebel, threatens Elijah and says, I'm going to kill you if before the sun goes down. So Elijah runs like a bunny out of there. <laughs> yeah. You would think after standing <laughs> so strong for God and being so fearless, he wouldn't let her words frighten him. Totally. But he does. Uh, it's an amazing scene. You would think Elijah on top of the world after such a victory for the Lord, you know, he would just be so, so strong. But instead, he runs in despair. And here is what happens. I'm actually going to read this right from the scripture. Read it from 1 Kings chapter 19, starting in verse 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Whoa. Elijah was afraid. And he ran for his life He came to Beersheba in Judah and He left his servant there While he himself went a whole day's journey Into the wilderness He came to a broom bush Sat under it and prayed that he might die Oh my goodness I've had enough Lord He said take my life I'm no better than my ancestors then He lay down under the bush And fell asleep
0: What all after all of that That know, had just happened This is what we the get total
1: exhaustion Yeah, that's real. Totally. Yeah, yeah. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some baked bread over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank. And he was strengthened by the food and he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night.
0: Wow. What
1: what happened here? Why did he fall apart? Well, you know what? It's not unusual at all. After a mountaintop experience, we're very vulnerable to suffer a dip. Pastors mondays can be very blue even sunday nights can be very blue you start to feel discouraged because you're spent you've given and given and given so much physically spiritually emotionally you are and you've had such a big week-long build-up to it i remember when i was teaching a bible study every week I felt this I I, after giving so much and expending spiritual and physical energy, there really comes a vulnerability to discouragement and even depression.
0: Wow. You're
1: very sensitive. Just if anybody says anything to you. At that sensitive time, once you walk away from that mountaintop experience with God, you're very vulnerable.
0: I'm glad you pointed Elijah, that out, though, because that's not yeah. something that we always like recognize. Like as people, like I'm not a pastor, and I don't like or I don't speak every week. So I'm glad that you brought that up, because like, wow, the burnout, like,
1: yeah, and it's not the time to go up and criticize something. That right? Said.
0: Yeah, you're in such a or, yeah, like you said, vulnerable in any
1: way. It's. They're just you just feel naked and beat up.
0: Yeah, you've
1: just given so much. So I think it's really a normal thing to see Elijah feeling like this. He was human and he experienced it. Yeah, Jezebel is truly trying to kill him. Elijah runs for his life. Can you imagine? And you know what? We, too, can lose our faith muscles in fatigue. I want to say that again we can lose our faith muscles in fatigue
0: that's facts i i have experienced that myself and i did not go through a mountaintop experience like that but even just like in daily life like sometimes it's so hard to like fight for truth and fight to focus when you're just really tired like that's real
1: that is very real so elijah is on the run he sits down he asks the lord to take his life he had had enough um you know, we do get to those points where we just don't want to continue anymore. And that really is the depth of depression right there. We even see here a little self-pity when he says he's the only one left who has not bowed to bail.
0: Wow. So many, so, so many things about this. that yeah. remind me of Jonah in this the laying it under does, the bush. Definitely. Yeah, that too. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, the good news here is really how God handles his vulnerable and exhausted servant you know sometimes we have such a a mean god in our mind who is going to lash us if we actually take a break um first of all he sends an angel to give this servant of his food and water who knows when the last time this man has eaten
0: right, right? or had right. any rest yeah
1: and then and then he sends the angel again twice he comes to care for him um I remember my aunt always said, the difference between hope and despair is often a good night's sleep.
0: (laughs) That's so true.
1: It is. Here is Elijah. He was despairing for his life and God. What does he do? He doesn't rebuke Elijah, but he cares for him physically. And next, he's going to care for him spiritually as well. Now, the food given to Elijah, the scripture says, sustained him for 40 days while he traveled. I would like some of that angel food. <laughs> oh, yeah, food that, that
0: would be great. It would save me a lot of money.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Elijah now finds himself in a cave and the Lord comes to him. The Lord asks Elijah, What are you doing here? So, what he's doing, I, I often wondered, Why did he ask Elijah that? Of course, God knows what he's doing there. But what he is doing here is he's letting the prophet pour out his heart. Hmm. He wants to know how, it's another way of saying, how are you feeling? What's going on in your head? How are you feeling emotionally? You know, it, God gives his servant a, a really faith strengthening sign. Hmm. And his is what, how he deals with him. God was about, not only does he take care of his physical needs, but God was about to speak and so he tells him, "I'm going to speak," and that's exactly what we need when we're in these times of despair, as well as food and rest. We need to hear a word from the Lord. Amen. And so God told him, "He's going to speak to him now." So this huge wind comes up, and and it 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 breaks rock hard and stuff. But Elijah's listening, listening. No voice of God there. Then there's an earthquake. I mean, this man has has. Uh, suffered every physical anomaly that could happen (laughs) this guy has had it between uh his miracle and then this time so but yet god's voice was not in the earthquake and then again fire breaks out but god's voice was not in the fire so he's been listening and he's seeing all these great dramatic signs that god has done but how does god come to his his very um uh tender and um prophet that's in need of a word from god how does he come to him he comes to him in a gentle whisper or some people say a still small voice yeah again in this still voice this gentle whisper god asks his servant a question why are you here elijah god brings his prophet to see tangible evidence of his presence and how gentle he is when we are weak and fearful what does god do God brings Elijah back to the truth. And don't we need that when we're yeah, down, when we're despairing? Totally. We need to hear a word from God. We need to go back to the truth. And this is the truth he reminded Elijah of. Elijah, you're not alone. Hmm. And that's so typical when we're thoughts of suffering. Nobody else has felt or experienced what I have.
0: Yeah, we always God think ass- we're alone. Yeah,
1: we do. We do. And that's a lie. That is not true. God assures Elijah that there are still seven thousand that had not bowed the knee to Baal, and then God strengthens his prophet by giving him more to do. You know, sometimes a fresh assignment is is just what we need. Totally, really, purpose, something, something new, purpose, focus to, to get us out of our out of our shell that we've kind of created around ourselves uh, from just exhaustion and. Uh, he, he knows exactly what we needed and when we need it. So here he's going to give him a mission. God had not set Elijah aside, but he's going to continue to use him. Elijah is given a two-point mission. First of all, he was to go and anoint Jehu as king over Israel, which was very dangerous again because the present king was already living. Um, and then he was to anoint Elisha as a prophet in his place. So God gave Elijah a partner and a friend in ministry, a younger prophet that he could mentor and would he would prepare to take over for Elijah. So we can really take away some powerful points here for our own lives. And the first one is this. Rest and refreshment are part of our call as well. Hmm. Rest and refreshment are part of our call as well. Second... Listening to God keeps us on track for following God. Listening to God keeps us on track for following God. Third, you are never done serving God until God calls you home.
0: Wow. With
1: that Those three things are so powerful from these scripture verses on elijah here at the it's end of his so blank.
0: totally powerful that's beautiful and like what amazing like leadership and wow i also loved that you you know that on the last episode we had talked about how elijah's big confrontation and there was the fire and all of that but then also how and god spoke through that and god is an all-consuming fire but god also Speaks in a still small voice, like he's both things, and I—that's—I feel like I find that super cool about God personally.
1: Yes, because sometimes it's—he's very subtle with the messages for our life. Other times he's—he's—he's still, you know, comes to us just so silently as we're reading our Bible in the morning, late at night. A scripture verse comes to mind. That's so gentle, and yet other times he speaks so dramatically
0: yeah so it's so good to like as for you know for us as believers like let's not put god in a either or box like we see him speak in so many ways throughout scripture so i thought that was also super beautiful that that's the way that he chose to you know deal with elijah and how he chose to speak with him was like super cool and it was also probably what like elijah needed at the time was something gentle not something as dramatic no You know, that's really like, and he, and that God, you know, and that God knows that I was like super cool. Um, so now we're going to visit the next part of our story. So we're going to be in second Kings one, one through 18, and we're going to hear another super awesome story about Elijah. So, um, now we have Ahaziah and he's the King of Israel and it says that he fell through a window and got sick. So, um, yeah, he fell through a window, got sick. Very interesting. I mean, I think I would be sick too if I fell through a window. But anyways, so he sends some messengers, Ahaziah does, to Beelzebub, which is a false god. And he tells the messengers to ask Beelzebub if he is going to recover from his sickness. So Ahaziah has his messengers ask Beelzebub. But it says that an angel of the Lord tells Elijah to meet up with the messengers and to ask them, is it because there is no God in Israel that you are going to inquire of Beelzebub? And this this question also kind of like took me a minute to really like understand. But Elijah is asking King Ahaziah this because he's living godlessly. Like he's living lawlessly without any authority. Ahaziah is living like there's no God in Israel. So and he is. So thus Elijah prophesies the Lord's word um, about Ahaziah's death to the messengers. And he says, you will not get down from the bed upon which you have lain, but you will certainly die. So the messengers go back to Ahaziah and he's like, why are you here? Why have you returned? And they tell him that a man came to meet them and said to return to Ahaziah and then to tell them what Elijah had prophesied that Ahaziah would die. And Ahaziah asked like, what did this man look like that you met with? Like who spoke these words to you? And their description of Elijah is like super funny. They say a hairy man with a leather belt around his waist. And I'm not sure if this is, like, Elijah himself is hairy or if he's wearing, like, hairy clothes, but just an interesting little tidbit we learn about Elijah. And then they did tell... Did you
1: get a funny picture in your mind?
0: <laughs> yeah, I did. And I'm like trying to block it out, but it's it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> and then they tell the king that it was Elijah. So um, Ahaziah knows about who Elijah is, his reputation, and he like is enraged. So Ahaziah sends 50 soldiers and their captain to confront Elijah. And when they go see, when they go see him, Elijah is sitting on top of a hill And um, clearly there is more than enough men to subdue Elijah. It's 51 to 1. And the captain addresses Elijah as man of God. So they know who he is and they know his reputation. And calling Elijah man of God also really implies that they knew what they were doing was in defiance to God. Like you don't just like call someone man of God for no reason. So they knew what they were doing was wrong. It also means that they knew exactly who they were defying, the Lord God, Almighty and they tell him to come down and Elijah combats their commands and he says if I am a man of God may fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. So Elijah defies the men who openly defy God and immediately fire comes down and consumes the men. Well at least that answers the question whether Elijah was a true man of God so this reveals some key truths about God first is that God responds to defiant people with fiery judgment it's like you said Bev the last in our last episode what fire means and that it's really a representation of God's holiness like this was God's holy like this was God's judgment on them on those men and the and the soldiers the commander on them defying God so you don't defy the Lord and get away with it and if judgment isn't on this earth it's going to be in the lake of fire like you don't you don't escape it whether it's in this life or it's when you die you do not escape God's judgment so when God calls you to something he protects the mission we talked about this too in our last episode like he is going to protect you if he's called you to something and it's all about the obedience it's not just a willy-nilly mission it's what God has called you to and you obeying that God will protect you so when God has a clear Call and purpose for you, there is nothing that man can do to thwart it. So, like, sister, like, as you are listening, is there a mission that God has been calling you to that you're afraid to do? Like, are you afraid to obey? Because this is a word for you. It's a word for me. Nothing can thwart God's mission, call, and plan for your life. And this is a truth that you can rest in. So, clearly, not having learned his lesson, King Ahaziah sends another 50 soldiers and their captain. And the second captain, must have known what had happened to the first, and he still openly defied God. And the same scene is repeated, and the ending is still the same. The fire of God comes from heaven and consumes the men. So King Ahaziah sends a third 50 men with their captain. You'd think he would learn by now. And this time, the captain bows on his knees before Elijah and begs him. He says, you, man of God, please let my life and the lives of these 50 servants of yours be precious in your sight he tells Elijah that he knows that all the other men were consumed by fire and he pleads he's like but now let my life be precious in your sight and this this is not a recognition of Elijah's power or strength this was recognition of the power and strength of the one Elijah served Elijah lived his life dependent on the will of God and trusting the Lord like imagine your life being threatened by 50 men three times and responding like Elijah did he's like I'm a man of God and the fire is going to consume you. like he literally trusted the Lord like at this deep amazing level. And so Elijah cared not for his life because he knew the one who hold it who held it together and he was going to obey. He was going to be radically obedient to God. So now the angel of the Lord said to Elijah to go with the soldiers, to go with the soldiers, of the of the king who's trying to kill him, and to not be afraid. So Elijah goes, and he delivered a message from the Lord, and he tells the king that he's going to die. And God told Elijah not to be afraid, even even though that Isaiah had gone to all these lengths to kill him. And Elijah goes, and it was really Isaiah that should have been afraid, because he should have known by now, after seeing all that God has done, that God is not, he's a, he's an all-consuming fire. That's what it is. And so King Ahaziah dies just like the Lord told Elijah. And it says in scripture that since he had no son, it's Jeroam, I'm not sure how to say that. It's like, do you know how to say that? Jehoram, Jehoram. Mm -hmm. Jehoram? Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think it's Jehoram. That sounds right to me. Well, Jehoram became king. And so he was from the line of Judah. So that whole story is like Another just, it's just wild, but it's just, it's very clear, like the message that God wants to send. Like God is yeah. a consuming fire, like period. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So,
0: yeah. yeah I mean, it really wow. is.
1: Another powerful thing where fire was involved coming out of, from God's presence and Elijah being involved in that, it's, it's, it's a unique aspect of his ministry that yeah. we really need to pay attention to.
0: Yeah, it definitely well, is. We do
1: know that Elijah is going to finish well, which, you know, very few kings finished well. Um, in the Old Testament, but Elijah was one of these prophets that really, really finished well. We get the end of his story really in 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. Um, it starts off by saying, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, another dramatic finish for yeah, the dramatic for prophet, um, <laughs> Elijah and Elisha were on their way to Gilgal. By this time, uh, Elijah had um, called Elisha, into the to be a prophet and they they were working together for some time now Elijah said to Elijah stay here the Lord has sent me to Bethel but Elisha said "As surely as the Lord lives and as you live I will not leave you then they went down to Bethel they also go to Jericho and in all three stops Elijah says the same thing to Elisha in each of these three cities were schools of prophets it was really Elijah's way of saying farewell and the final words to his student prophets. Elijah was also, I think, testing Elisha's commitment to follow in his footsteps. Elijah and Elisha arrive at the Jordan River. Elisha hits the water. Elijah, that is, hits the water with his cloak and the waters part for them to go to the other side. Now, Elijah asked Elisha what he could do for him before he departs. And Elisha asked for a double portion of his spirit, of the spirit that Elijah had. But Elijah said, I can't promise you that. But if you see the vision that's going to happen right now, it will be yours. So what was the significance of Elijah's last day on earth? Um, Remember, the chariot of fire did come down, separated him from Elisha, and he was carried off into heaven. Well, first of all, he completes the work God gave him to do. He didn't stop. He kept going, even in through made it through periods of discouragement and despair. He prepares his replacement. Elisha and him ministered together, so there was obviously some apprenticeship going on there. He also encourages the student prophets, and he left the distribution of God's power and call to God. He, he didn't promise Elisha. He didn't have that ability to give Elisha power. Only God could give that. Elijah did not see death and was with Moses and Jesus at the transfiguration of Jesus. In the Bible, we read that Enoch, Elijah, and perhaps Moses did not see death, yet Jesus, our Lord and Savior, saw death, but rose again, ascended into the sky as his disciples looked on. So Elisha saw Elijah go up in chariots of fire and the disciples of Jesus saw him ascend. Can you imagine?
0: Mm, it's beautiful. We
1: also have a promise here of not seeing death. Instead, upon our last breath, we're going to be present with the Lord. Many people say absent with the body, present with the Lord. Yeah. And John five twenty four. very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. So let's just take some concluding points, should we? Yeah. Um, As we look over at this powerful prophet's life. First of all, Elijah was a man of humility. He really cared nothing for his own reputation, but deeply cared for God's reputation. Mm. Also, Elijah could be trusted with the power of God because he understood it was not his. He was only a conduit of the power of God. Also, Elijah was a man of prayer. We turn to the New Testament in James chapter 5, where it reads, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heaven, heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Another truth that we can take from his life is Elijah was a very unique prophet and one of the greatest in the Bible. We can't expect to do these similar miracles to what Elijah did. He had a unique role for a unique time in history. But that's true about each of us as well. Then lastly, I want to remember that Elijah was courageous. This took courage. And you know what? Today, we are called to be courageous as we serve God as well. As culture gets less and less in favor towards our Christian faith. We have to be willing to be courageous and to follow God into a radical type obedience
0: Amen. that is
1: not for the uncommitted. Mm-hmm. Remember, God plus one is always the powerful minority. Uh, that was wrong. <laughs> God plus one is always the powerful majority. <laughs> there
0: we so go. you
1: plus God. And that's Elijah, that was his entire life was that. Him against the world.
0: Totally.
1: But it really was, he was in the majority. So we need more Elijahs today, don't we? Yes. How has his life changed and challenged you? Are you, are we, Delaney, willing to step up to the plate and be that voice of God?
0: Man, those are, yeah. Go ahead.
1: Power Powerful lessons for us No, are
0: Yeah, for real. And those questions are powerful. Like, I want to go home and think about that more. Like, am I willing to step up to the plate and be that voice for God? Like, that is, that's, yeah, sobering, definitely. Um, okay, well, yeah, I want to pray for us. So, Lord, I, I just thank you so much for this time and that we get to gather together as sisters. I pray that you will give us your um, supernatural boldness, and just make us courageous, God. We know that we need more Elijahs today. So I pray that you would just do that work in our own hearts, God, and that we would be we would be sisters that would step up to the plate for you and that we stand strong for truth. In your name I pray. All right, sisters. Well, it was so great to be with you today. Join us in two Mondays on She is Becoming.